0: Hey, hey, I am Mike Matthews, and you are listening to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast.
1: What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. This is the one-stop shop for all. Things, coaching. We dive deep into training and nutrition on every single episode, but we do not stop there. We take it much further and we cover all things personal development. I am your host, Cody Boom Boom McBroom, and my job with this podcast is to coach you through your headphones, coach you through the speakers, and help you, once again, personally develop into your best version of yourself. I want to help you get results, and this is how I am doing that. Now, if you are new to this podcast, please do me two quick favors. The first one being subscribe to the podcast. We drop three episodes per week. They're all free, and they all deliver a ton of value, and I want to make sure that you get that value on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. The second thing, scroll down into the description of this podcast, and make sure you check out the top four ranked episodes after you listen to this episode. That's going to be the Nutrition FAQ, the Training FAQ, Nutritional Periodization, and My Personal Journey into Fitness. Today's guest is the one and only Mike Matthews. Mike Matthews is a very well-established author, which is one of the reasons why well, I've been following him for a very long time. I've looked up to him for a very long time because he puts out more written content than damn near anybody out there in the space, and we actually kind of touch on this in the episode today, but when it comes to the supplement game and all these different supplement companies, nobody is putting out as many articles or written content, really just any as much content in general as Legion is, and for that, I really respect them because... They put out content, they're educating people, they are honest and trustworthy, and they're even funding research inside the fitness and nutrition space that has nothing to do with supplements which is crazy because usually supplement companies only fund research studies that are advantageous to them or support the efficacy of supplements, but they are doing justice inside the fitness space, and they really don't even talk about it. It's not something we mentioned this podcast. It's not something that I've seen them put content out about. I've just heard Eric Helms mention that Legion actually funds some of the research they're doing um, with lean gains, which is actually a really – Cool and exciting study. I'm excited for it to drop. But anyway, uh, Mike Matthews is just a good dude. He's very intelligent. He's very passionate about what he does inside of educating people on smart training, smart nutrition, and smart supplementation. Um, and he is somebody you can look up to as a successful entrepreneur in this space. He's done a lot of really cool things. And today we get to kind of talk about a lot of that. So, mainly what we're going to talk about today is his uh, new books, or I should say, the revamp of his books. He has Thinner, Leaner, Stronger, which is a book that's the simple science of building the ultimate female body. And then he has Bigger, Leaner, Stronger, which is the simple science of building the ultimate male body. So these are two different versions of his books that he has revamped multiple times, but they just dropped on Monday of this week. For I believe a third edition yes I'm reading the book right now actually it's in front of me and this is the third edition Um, there's a lot of fucking pages in this book and together they've sold over a million copies and they've helped a lot of people transform their body so the reason we brought him on is actually full transparency with you guys he is not funding me he's I have no affiliation with Legion or him I'm not getting paid for this this is literally just me I reached out to him um, after we've been kind of in communication. He was on my show. I was on his show. We've talked back and forth multiple times. And I just hit him up, and I was like, hey, I know your books are launching. I would love to have you on the show, let you promote and talk about the book. Because realistically, and I didn't tell him this, but the realistic side of it is, I really like him as a person. I think he's very trustworthy. I think he's doing some really amazing things in the industry and in the space. I think his books are awesome for anybody who is just a general person who really wants to get leaner or stronger or bigger and just build muscle and have an impressive physique, but doesn't want to get bogged down by the science and the complicated terms. He simplifies things and gives you a really down-to-earth, straightforward approach in these books. And I recommend him to a lot of people who are just starting out. I recommend to a lot of coaches and even my own team as well, which we talk about in this episode. But I reached out to him and I was like, man, I would love to have you on the show. I would love to promote your books. I would love to help you with this launch, I don't need anything in return. I just appreciate what you do inside the space. And that's me being completely real and honest because he is a completely real and honest individual in this space doing really good things. And that's why he's on the show today. And that's why I think you guys, the listeners, will get a lot out of this episode to hear his philosophies on training, on nutrition, on business, on written content, on a lot of different things, and to get a good insight on what these books are actually about and the value they are going to deliver to you. Add to that. These books are on sale for 99 cents right now. 99 cents on Amazon. I mean, and I'm pretty sure he he says it in this episode. I'm almost positive he gives you a refund if you don't like them. So there's literally no reason not to download these books, guys. Grab the ebook version. If you want the hard copy, those are on there as well. I know while I'm recording this, it's still Prime Day. I don't know how long that lasts, but this is Prime Week, I guess you could call it. But right now, the book is on sale until the 22nd, and it's only 99 cents, guys, so go grab it, get a copy, and if you get a copy and send them receipt, I actually believe that you can be uh, put into a raffle to win a bunch of really cool prizes as well. So enough of me ranting and boasting up Mike. I'm excited to have him on the show. He's a really good dude. He's really intelligent, and he's gonna share a ton of knowledge about what's inside these books, about the creation of these books, about his journey and why he does what he does today. And even if you're somebody who doesn't care to have another book on your bookshelf, which to me is absolutely insane. I can't imagine there's anybody who would feel that way. But even if that is you, you are still going to get a ton of value out of this episode, I promise you. So stay tuned, listen forward, and check out this episode with the one and only Mike Matthews. All right, so Mike, man, I'm excited to have you back on the podcast, especially with this book launching. Um, and I want to hear all about it, man. I think the listeners are going to be excited about this, especially because the, the first versions, the original time you actually wrote this series – It's been a book that I've recommended to a lot of clients, a lot of followers and listeners of this podcast, my Instagram, but also even to my coaches and my assistant and the people on my staff and my team. I've pushed this book to them because it helps them get a good fundamental understanding of how to be a better coach, but for the people listening, how to achieve a better physique the right way and not doing all the wrong things. So I'm excited to dig into this. But the first question I have for you is obviously, so the listeners can understand what we're talking about, what is the book?
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, thanks for having me back. Really appreciate it. I also appreciate you uh, su- supporting supporting me and supporting the book uh, since it's since the the first edition, which was published all the way back in 2012. Now, and um, so to your point, the book uh, we're talking about is bigger, leaner, stronger, which is for men, and I actually also have a book called thinner, leaner, stronger, which is for women, which is also this new third edition is, is their third edition's plural? It's both of them is what I'm launching. And, uh, so it started though with this book, bigger, leaner, stronger for men. And it was, um, something that I, I published. It was just kind of on a, on a, on a whim back in 2012. It was like a nights and weekends thing that I, I, I just wanted to write a simple book on, um, the basics of, uh, diet and and resistance training weightlifting that kind of the book i wish somebody would have just give given me back when i was like 17 18 and and basically just said like hey just just here's the 20% that's going to give you 80% just do these things at least for the first few years and you're going to get everything that you can possibly get out of the gym and if you want to go further than that, then yeah, you need to know some more and you need to make some changes. But um, if you're like most people and you just want to get into really good shape, you want to look good, feel good, just this is probably all you need actually. And um, so that was 2012 and the, there was a kind of like a minimum viable product approach to it. Um, I, I, it was maybe, I want to say maybe 60 or 70,000 words, which is not necessarily short but it's uh this new third edition i believe clocked in at one hundred and thirty thousand words and i'm stopping there any future editions it's not going to get bigger um and i really i really actually wanted to keep it as uh as short as possible uh because i i think that if a book gets too long it just becomes intimidating however in going through this rewrite and i really started from scratch on this third edition um I, I'm actually I'm just very happy with all the information that I did include, and I I really don't think that I really feel like every chapter contributes to the whole. There's no filler. There's you know I I struggled to to there I had more and I removed and I removed until I was like all right this is really again now I really have it where I feel like this is a book I can give to someone and say this truly is the twenty percent that's going to give you eighty percent. This is. Uh, for the average person who wants to get into great shape, they actually don't need to know anything else. I'm not saying they shouldn't know anything else or continue to educate themselves. But if this was the only book that they read, the only form of dieting they learned, the only type of training they learned about if they just did this uh, for consistently for anywhere from one to maybe two to three years, they will have the type of body they want. And, um, so, so, yeah, that's the I guess the the summary of where where it started and where it's at now.
1: I love that, man, because I think when and i've I've written blogs that have turned into ebooks and i've written uh, I have an FAQ page on my website that I just went too hard on and just wrote too many words, and sometimes it's hard to narrow it down to what people just quote unquote need to know because when we look into research, there's always just so much more that we could throw in there that could benefit people. But I think that just, like you said, it just overwhelms people. Like I know books that I've read that I actually love, but they're so big and there's so much detail and so much nuance that for the average individual or somebody like you said that just wants to get bigger, leaner, stronger, it might not be that important. It might just confuse them.
0: Totally. Yeah, and that's uh, and and I know that firsthand, having interacted with many, many, many readers. Uh, I mean, my my inbox—I have to check—it's probably over two hundred thousand emails sent and received by now. And so I know firsthand. It's great though to be able to get that feedback. You know, in the I've done so. This is I've done three major editions, right? So this new third edition is is really. A kind of stem to stern overhaul. What I I, what originally I took the second edition, which was also a very marked improvement over the first edition. But I took that second edition initially, and I thought I could I thought it'd be more a process of editing and refining. But as I went through it, um, you know, I wrote that second edition four years ago. I know more now, uh, so my my understanding of things has improved. I'm a better writer now. Um, I've gotten a lot of feedback from people, and so as I went through it, I was just like, eh. If I'm going to really do this to, if if this is something that I really want to be proud of, I just have to start over. Not that the information in the second edition was bad or wrong. It's just, I had, um, I I feel a much better uh, idea of how I can organize and present the information and make it as easy to understand and as practical as possible. And again, I, all the feedback that I've gotten from readers over the years um, was, was a vital part of that process. Cause what I do is when people bring up, whether it's through emails or social media messages or comments or, or even negative reviews on, on the books, I look at those as well. Um, in many cases, they're not very useful, but there is the occasional bad review. Maybe it's a two-star review, three-star review. I find that one-star reviews are usually not very helpful. They're usually short and sometimes don't even make sense. But, but, uh, but sometimes two- and three-star reviews or people bring up valid points, where I'm like, eh, actually, I didn't think of that, and I'll make a note. You know what I mean? So eventually, that plus my own list gets long enough where it's like, it's time to update this book and uh so you know it was uh all right let's let's start over let's reorganize all this information let's rewrite everything to make it extra clear and extra practical and again i'm very happy with how it came together and the feedback so far has been great the only negative feedback that i i actually am annoyed at myself about is on the audiobook so i I don't listen to many audiobooks anymore uh because i prefer to listen i prefer to read um and because i like to make highlights and notes and retention is better with with reading than it is listening especially if i'm listening when i'm driving you know what i mean so i prefer to listen to something like I listen now to usually to lectures or just explainate like audio explanations of things that I it's okay that I'm driving and I'm not paying. I'm not like, you know, I'm not gonna uh, if, if I miss little bits here and there, it's not a big deal. Whereas if I'm reading a book, I really want to focus on it. Um, but I used to listen to a fair amount of audiobooks, and I felt like it was very common for people to speak slowly and I always would have to speed them up. I always would speed up to like 1.2 to 1.5, depending on how slowly the speaker you know, spoke though, the narrator spoke. And so I thought that was like a normal thing. So I spoke what seemed, of course it felt slow. I think I'm naturally maybe a little bit of a faster speaker and it, and then that's, there's been like consistent negative comments on, Oh, the you know narrator's too slow. Sounds like a robot. And I'm like, ah, and I, I agree Uh, for me, it felt the same way, but I thought it would have been a mistake to speak. You know what I mean? So that's my, uh, I don't know if I can, I don't know if I can, rerecord i don't know if i could bring myself to rerecord those audiobooks uh, that was a literal pain in the ass it was like 70 or 80 hours to do both of those books sitting you know and just speaking but um
1: anyway I, i'm kind of i'm kind of just rambling at this point <laughs> i've had a few friends uh that are authors that had to do audiobooks and like after doing it they told me they were like fuck i did not know it was going to be that difficult or that big of a pain in the ass so i can imagine man, it is and it's it's a literal
0: pain in the ass.
1: It's actually funny too, because like I'm the same way. I talk pretty quickly. And um, when I listen to audiobooks, I put in like 1.5 speed because I want to get through it and I can just I can yep. retain what they're saying. Uh, but I've had a lot of people not necessarily complain but joke around when they listen to my podcast and say that they slow me down sometimes. And I think I think the difference there is is I'm not reading something. So if I have to actually read and, and look at proper punctuation and grammar as I'm trying to articulate what's on the paper, I think it would be. Much slower than how I normally talk on a podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's tricky. Also, you want to enunciate clearly. You don't want to run words together. You know, if we're just having a, a discussion like this, uh, people will forgive our little maybe uh, instances of misspeaking or slurring words. But I feel like if it's an audiobook, there's a certain level of professionalism that's expected. And if you're going to read your own audiobook, people are holding you to the same standard as they would hold a professional voiceover person and I, you know anyway so i there there've been a lot of positive feedback on the audiobook as well because uh i think people do like to have the author read their own book, so long as their voice isn't extremely annoying or grating or something um but but yeah no it's been it's been a it's been a great process though i'm very happy with how everything has come together and uh again the book uh coming back to why we even got on this tangent uh, the 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 length is um, I've gotten good feedback on that too, where people I've seen a number of positive reviews where people have said like it's long, but it reads, it's easy to read, it flows, and they got through it uh, faster than they would have thought looking at it because it, it it can look a little bit intimidating. It's again, it's um, you know, one hundred thirty thousand words comes out to I don't know, probably four hundred pages or so.
1: Yeah, uh, and and last thing on the audiobook, man, I actually think uh, like kudos to you for doing it yourself because I think there is something. To say just about authenticity, and when you listen to the actual author talking, I mean, even uh, I listened to the audiobook uh, a while back, Total Recall, and at the beginning, Arnold hmm. Schwarzenegger actually reads it, and I was like, "This is really cool because it's actually Arnold." And then, a, like a chapter in, it changed to a different guy, and I was like, "Ah, oh, fuck, that's kind of lazy." Like, it's yeah. It's, there's some cool Ray about Dalio.
0: Ray Dalio did the same thing with uh, principles.
1: Okay. Yeah. And then there's something cool about the authenticity of actually hearing the author speak it. But, um, besides, besides the feedback you've gotten over the years that has allowed you to obviously recreate this book, is there anything else that called, like called you to update it in the first place? Were there any specific tactics or strategies or research that changed over the years or any specific things that you were like, I really want to update this. And the reason I ask is because some people will look at it and be like, well, why wouldn't you just write a new book? And for marketing purposes, it might actually be st- smarter in some sense to write a new book because it's some new promotion you can launch and it kind of builds hype instead of trying to convince the people who already purchased the book to repurchase a new version. Um, But to me, I like that you did that because it shows that you're not out here trying to hype up different fads or strategies or methods like what works inside of training and nutrition. It fucking works, and so for you to go back and just revamp it and make it better to me is more respectable, and I think much more meaningful inside the industry. But I'm just curious, like what what called you to update it again?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, that's uh, <laughs> you've basically summarized uh, exactly the my, my thinking on it. Is yes, from a marketing, if we're looking at purely from a dollars and cents, of course, something new. People love new, right? In marketing, the best the best words are new and free, right? Um, and uh, that is, is, is fun as well. It's fun to do new things, but, um, also ironically, just, uh, the people who purchased actually, if they've purchased it, purchased an, an ebook is actually if they, the audiobook as well. So if they purchased digitally, they get the new books for free, uh, because you can just update them. Love that. You can just go. Yeah. So, so people, and I, and I, I'm going to be making that clear when I go through, I I guess actually by the time this goes live, we're going to be right in the middle of this launch. So I'll I'll be making it clear to people, like if you have already purchased, uh, the ebook, and I think that's regardless of which retailer. So I know for a fact, uh, you have automatic updates on Amazon. Um, and if it doesn't automatically update, like that's how I, I, set it up. If it doesn't, then you just contact them and you, and you get it updated and the audiobook you can get for free as well. So I'm not even asking people who, who, if they read or digitally or listen, um, they're just going to get it for free. And so uh, the, and that's just more to, to the point that you were making of, you know, I guess for me, it was one, I want these books to, um, really stand the test of time. I, I really want them to be the definitive fitness books for, uh, they skew toward newer people. Um, like if somebody is solidly into their intermediate phase as a lifter, uh, they may enjoy the books, whether this is a, whether it's a man or a woman may enjoy their respective you know, books for men or women and they'll probably learn some things, um, but the programs, for example, are not necessarily going to be for them uh, because once you get into that intermediate phase, you know, t- the, the programs, both of the programs for men and women, they hover around, let's say, about 12 hard sets per major muscle group per week, and I think that's a good sweet spot for somebody who's new to lifting or proper lifting, but there's, it'll, that'll only get you so far. I mean, there is a point, you know, I'm working now on an updated second edition of the sequel to bigger, leaner, stronger, uh, called beyond bigger, leaner, stronger. And, um, the next chapter I'm about to start, I've tentatively titled the more for less method. <laughs> Cause that's, I think summarizes, uh, the, the process of you just have to work harder and harder and harder for less and less and less as you be, as you progress in your, in your fitness journey. And so, um, you know i i decided to to update them because i just felt i don't know i felt like it was the right thing to do um there were there was there was some some of the content in the second edition although uh it's almost to a point where i'm splitting hairs like although workable and uh sound they're just like some some of the discussion in the second edition around rep ranges and how it relates to muscle building, I feel like my understanding of that is better now um, and to be fair there in the last four to five years there's actually a fair amount of research that has come out that has clarified some things uh relating to intensity and volume and frequency, and so uh, I felt like I could do a better job explaining that and make it a, a bit more um Scientifically accurate uh, and also well yeah just scientifically accurate I mean, mainly just a point of you know i i I really wanted to produce something that represents here 's my current best understanding of um, the all the fundamentals of of diet and and training and uh, i want again i wanted I wanted to uh, produce uh, books that I really do think will stand the test of time. I think the second editions probably already achieved that, but um, I knew I could, I could, I could consolidate my my gains, so to speak, and strengthen an advantage that I already have, which is having books that uh, sell well and are popular, um, and and more better address the the needs of my target readers. Again, after hearing from so many people over the last four years, since I published the second editions, uh, I just had a really good list of, you know, um, uh, that if I could save people confusions and cause I know firsthand they'd reach out to me and they wouldn't be sure about things. And, you know, there was an element, uh, for example, of the previous second edition programs where I called it strength week. And I liked the idea of it, but people found it confusing. And, uh, and I understand, and so, in looking at it, I was like, you know it's not necessary it's not, especially with some of the changes I want to make in the program and it's really not necessary. I can go back to a bit of a simpler uh program, which is again very important for people who are new in particular when you know you're not and I remember I remember being there where Uh, when you first learn about energy balance and macronutrient balance and that, you know, food choices don't actually matter so much when we're talking about body composition and you don't need to sit in the gym doing 30, 40 sets per workout. And um, I remember having a lot of uncertainties and doubts and wondering, am I doing this right? Or if I got something a little bit wrong, I thought it was, uh, it might be, you know, a lot, a lot worse than it actually was. And, um, so those are the main reasons. Uh, And I really just, you know, I I wanted to have, have editions of these books that I can really be proud of given my current understanding and my, just where I'm at now. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I think, I think one of the coolest things about it is the, the fitness space is constantly evolving. Like you said, since this was actually a point I was going to make, since, the last version came out, so much new literature inside resistance training and hypertrophy has come out. It's kind of insane. So to just look at how much changes over time, I think it's really important to do what you're doing. But it's also cool, too, because you're constantly going back and trying to make things more practical. Like I know you said you wanted to apply more science into it, which I is, is a fact you did that. But I think as you become a better coach, become a better writer, and just become more knowledgeable in the space, I think you're able to articulate things a little bit better and in a way that you can interpret to the person that doesn't want to spend time reading PubMed, like we might you know like it's yeah. kind of it's different and it's we're kind of weird for being those guys that like doing that um whether we love it or not a lot of people don't so for you to kind of keep going back and making this more practical and, and easier for people to understand i think that's like to me the really it, it's the coolest thing about this and the more uh the best thing about it really the biggest benefit to people
0: Absolutely. And I mean, that's a point that I, uh, I I think of a podcast that I did on, on an interview I did on my podcast with um, uh, a guy named Jordan Shallow, cool dude, uh, strength and conditioning coach, yeah. I believe over at Stanford. And uh, so at the end, he was, I don't remember exactly what he was, his, his criticism was, but it was, um, it was, it was kind of, that, Oh, how you have a lot of people out there who they don't want to get into the details. They don't really want to know how things actually work. And, and I'm not, I'm not saying this is a slight on him, but his, his perspective was that like, these people are just being kind of lazy and kind of stupid. And if they weren't being so lazy and stupid, um, then they wouldn't fall for all these myths and make, make all these mistakes. And I understand that, that position, but and I was telling him, I was like, yeah, that's one way to look at it. But another way to look at it is I think it's incumbent on the communicator uh, to be understandable. So he needs to understand who he's communicating to and communicate in a way that the, the person can get it. And if uh, he doesn't accomplish that, then I think that 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 failure is on the on the on the part of the communicator, and it's not that the uh, the I mean, well, especially for talking about uh, people who are listening to this podcast, people who read books, people who take the time to read articles are in that sense higher caliber people because most people out there for talking about middle of the bell curve at the average person, just for example, I saw this data recently. Um, and remember averages are skewed. I mean, you know, this, but I'm just saying. Like averages are skewed by the lows and highs, right? So the zeros and the highs are going to skew this, but the average person here in America reads one book a year, one book a year. And that's an average. Um, and so, so you have a lot what that really means is you have a lot of people reading zero and then you have a lot of people who read a lot. Is how that, how that generally yeah. goes. Right? Um, and and so, uh, the fact that someone is taking their time to try to educate themselves, whether it's by reading a book or listening to a podcast or an audiobook, uh, means that they are probably of above average intelligence. They're certainly uh, of because those things usually go hand in hand. Uh, there's there's research that shows there's just kind of a correlation between IQ and interest in learning things Um, so it's not that the that people so many people out there are just so dumb and so lazy they can't get what someone like maybe how Jordan might want to explain uh, something related to biomechanics for example it's just that when if, if you go too heavy on science and you go too heavy on jargon and you go too heavy on, uh, where you, you skip over a lot of details to just kind of get to maybe the little part that you want to talk about, then, you know, don't be surprised if, if people kind of just gloss over and don't get it. And so my goal from the beginning, and again, I'm not saying I really, I'm not saying that to, 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 uh, to criticize, to criticize Jordan. I'm just kind of repeating the the little discussion that we had, you know, at the end of my interview with him. And so my goal though, and since the beginning has been to communicate clearly, to communicate things uh, simply and clearly and practically and not to try to flex whatever intelligence I have or flex whatever vocabulary I have or try to um, look or sound smart or maybe speak just to um uh, scientists uh, so to, to kind of like you know almost like virtue signal to the to the in group of the super smart people and there are a lot of people in the in the it's not just in the fitness space but just in general that's definitely a thing and okay fine it's a thing i mean that's kind of what the even going back to the revolutionary american times. Uh, the, the founding fathers are very much like that. They wrote for each, for, for each other. That was even, that was even kind of a custom at that time to show how many random things, you know, but then it took someone like, it took like someone like Thomas Paine to take their ideas, which the common commoner couldn't understand. They were not literate enough and educated enough to even understand what the fuck these people were talking about. It took someone like Thomas Paine to take those ideas and communicate them in a way that the average, uh, Person could understand, and so not that I uh, think of myself as a, as a as a Thomas Paine type of person, but that at least has been my goal has been to communicate effectively, not to just try to sound smart.
1: Yeah, I, and you know, and I think in a, in a way you are kind of like that because, and this is actually me and you have similar audiences, and we're very similar in the sense that we like the research, we like the con con uh, the complex. C- conversations studies research ideas methods but if we don't relay that to the average individual what good is it right us talking above them yep. doesn't teach them anything and i think um i think it's also a matter of who your audience is because jordan shallow's audience is very much so coaches chiropractors pts professional powerlifters, like so he can speak on a certain level and his audience probably gathers that i can guarantee he probably doesn't work with the general population who hasn't really yep invested their time and effort into learning this stuff. And I think that's the big difference. Um, but there's also something to say about like, um, this is kind of a weird analogy, but like recently we, uh, built a house and I, I would come to the the lot and check on them almost every week and just see how things were going. But I never asked them about blueprints and what wood they were using and shit like that. Cause I, I have no interest in learning that. I just want to see that the house is being yeah, built. It would
0: all just be a bunch of words. You'd be like, okay, well, exactly.
1: (laughs) So I don't even care about that and there's a lot of people out there like you know what I want to look good I want to feel good. I want to be strong, but I really don't have the desire to sit here and study uh, The most detailed topics so I could try to teach somebody else it I just want to learn it myself and I think that's where like this book really helps and I think What you do really helps and actually kind of segues into one of my questions that has nothing to do necessarily with this book But just you as a writer in general because i'm curious and you're somebody that i've looked up to for a long time because you put out so much content and you still to this day, like in an age of audio and video kind of taking over, you still put out so much written content, which I appreciate because that's my favorite form of content. And I write newsletters and eBooks and blogs and long form content on my Instagram, like all the time. And that's what I love. I'm just curious what has been like your, I guess, why to put out so much free content to help people? Like, I know you kind of mentioned, um, the legacy side of this book, but as a whole, is, is that what really drives you? I mean, like one thing I was looking at, I was looking at Legion the other day, you probably have the most impressive written blog out of any supplement company in the entire world. Some, some supplement companies don't even have a fucking blog, but if you go to Legion, you can get so much content and information, which is crazy because it's almost unheard of in the supplement space. But I'm just curious, man, like what drives that?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate that. You know, um, I'm actually merging. So Muscle for Life has just as many articles as Legion, if not more, and I'm merging the two. So Legion is going to absorb Muscle for Life uh, fully. And if you're familiar with the technical details, we're going to 301 everything. So Google is going to view it as an acquisition, basically, so you don't get penalized and so legion will then get all of muscle for life's traffic and link juice and domain authority and so forth um because at this point i, I had some plans previously for muscle for life but in looking at it strategically i was like hey, it just makes more sense to to give all of this to legion and really just focus on legion and so my only point was saying that is the blog is about to literally double in it <laughs> and and there there's, there is some overlap in the content. Um, but a lot of it's not a lot of like, we did that intentionally, um, have a couple people that I've worked with for some time now where, um, stuff published under my name was written by me, but I have like a guy, my, uh, one of the guys that works with me, his name is army, for example. And there are articles that his own articles that, um, are published under his name. And so anyways, the, the, the blog is about to get, let's maybe not exactly twice as good, but let's say like, Sixty percent better.
1: <laughs> I listened to that um, podcast you did on on the merge, and I was like, "Man, that's going to be not only awesome, like the really cool idea, but it's going to be big for the company." I think I was really smart, man.
0: Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, and it comes at a good time too, with uh, these Google updates, which are are uh, just devastating. The they went after the health and fitness space in particular, and we've been okay. We we took a hit; everybody took a hit in terms of traffic, because some people have been. almost disappeared by, by these last couple updates. I mean, I'm talking like people losing 90% of their traffic. It's crazy, (laughs) crazy. Um, but anyways, to, to answer your question, um, I guess similar to you, I, I, I like to read, I like to write more than, um, yeah, more than, speak uh, more than record podcasts i do i do like recording podcasts as well and i like having discussions like this and video stuff is okay um but i i just i, I like to write so it's been partially selfish and and then early on i realized that also it just is a good business decision as well uh, because um uh, legion so last year before the first google update came it peaked at about 2 million visits a month and uh, the vast majority of those came from the blog like 80 probably actually 90% came from the blog and um, of course that's low converting traffic it's you don't have very many people that land on a blog and then go and buy something right away but it also starts the relationship with a lot of people and um, I can follow them around with uh, with ads to even come back and read more content sometimes they subscribe to the website and then they get push notifications when new stuff goes live or they get on the email list. And so it made it, made a uh, business sense. And in, in that, in that way. And then it also made sense from a brand perspective, because my thing since the beginning has been education. And um, I just like the idea of having uh, a blog that you, where you can find answers to more or less anything you might want to know about and, uh, and trust the answers. You know, it's a credible, a credible source and um further establish myself as a as an authority or thought leader. Um and uh, I got a lot of good feedback. You know, people enjoyed the blog and the articles we get shared around a lot and uh in a lot of a lot of engagement and comments and so forth. So early on it just it just did well and it just made sense to me to 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 keep it going. And um that's still the case now. And I still although I if you look at it strictly from business perspective i i I probably wouldn't need to um put much time into the blog at this point especially if i have other people who can write i wouldn't be comfortable with them publishing anything under my name but um if we were looking at it strictly from seo perspective however i like it i like writing so there's that and then i think it also makes sense from a marketing perspective for me to maintain a presence on the blog um and and so people can still get new content from me. Um, And uh, I do think though, and this is something that uh, I am going to be realistically going to be getting serious about later in the year, that it would be a mistake for me to continue neglecting YouTube in particular as I have been. Um, I I put some stuff up on YouTube, but I have no, there's no real strategy. It's, uh, there's no real, there aren't much in the way of resources that are being put into that, um, simply because things are moving in in that direction faster and faster. And I think there will always be a need for good long form content. That's not going to go away anytime soon, at least, but people definitely, definitely want to be able to listen to content, to watch content. And so, um, You know, I feel like there's a similar opportunity on YouTube uh, uh, as to the opportunity when I started. Muscle for Life came first. That was the first blog in like 2013, and now the space is a lot more glutted than it was uh, back then.
1: Yeah, I think YouTube's definitely a hard one to crack, but it's all—it's consistency. And there's just so much. I mean, and this is probably just a personal uh, bias or more of an emotional response on my end. But I think the fact that there's just so much bad. Vlogging yeah. about content in the fitness space on YouTube that it just kind of puts a bad taste in my mouth. Um, I know.
0: But- I know. I feel the same. I feel the same way about social media, but then I finally was like, it's a mistake for me to just neglect social media because I don't like it personally and I wish it were just to disappear. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I feel the same way about YouTube. It's not going to become, I, I don't think I, I couldn't see myself because I, I feel the same way about it. I'm not, uh, I don't have very much genuine interest in, in YouTube. So it's not something I, I could see myself wanting to dedicate like hours and hours and hours every day to, but um, with the right system in place and with uh, somebody to, to, to work the machine, I think uh, I can get a lot more out of it than I'm currently uh, getting out of it without that much more involvement from me. And I can do it in a way that is, um, on on brand, so to speak, I can do it in a way that we're you know, similar to social media. Where, like, if I if I can use social media, I guess YouTube's considered social media, but whatever. And, you know, I'm talking like mm-hmm. Instagram, I guess mostly. But if I can use um, social media networks, YouTube included, to um, ha- just help educate more people, then I'm interested in that. I'm not really interested in, in trying to entertain people. I mean, you can do a little bit of that, I guess, but that's not really my angle. I'm not interested in trying to show people how cool I am or that I have, you know, businesses or, like, make some money. I, mean, I have no interest in any of that. But, um, you know, I, I don't really – I'm in becoming a celebrity, so to speak, but if I can just – Reach more people with good educational information then I'm interested, and yes, that means that I won't grow as quickly on YouTube as maybe other people will because I don't want to do what they're doing. But if I can uh, make up for the maybe the lower qual- quantity of followers with the higher quality, where people who uh, may, who appreciate um, real information and not and not just uh, marketing shenanigans, then you know, I think it, I think it can make business sense.
1: Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree. And that's kind of a, like, I, I took the same approach with it. Cause to me, it's like, if there's not enough people doing it, we might as well hop in and start doing it. But I didn't, I didn't even start uploading it. I actually don't technically upload the YouTube videos for us, but as soon as I had somebody come in and help me, then it was like, okay, we can do this because I can stand in front yeah. of the camera and educate with a whiteboard, but I'm not going to be editing and stuff like that. Cause that drives me crazy. Yeah, but of course. Speaking of education, getting back to this book, like, the next things I would want to cover, I guess, is, like, you've already kind of explained who it's for, but if you can just reiterate for the listener, like, who hasn't read any of the previous books, who is this book mainly for, and then what is actually covered throughout the book?
0: Yeah, so I would say both of the books, if we're talking, let's just look at demographics first, I would say um, the sweet spot really is anyone from, let's say, 18 to probably 50s. um, I I do have people in their 60s and even a few, have had a few in the 70s, use the information in the books to, to get into better shape we made some modifications to the program um because you know it calls for some heavy squatting and some heavy deadlifting and that that isn't always necessarily a good idea depending on where the person's at um and but specifically i would say it's for the person who um is in their first again, it's, it's meant to take people from the newbie phase to like solidly into their intermediate phase. And what that means, if we want to put some numbers to it, let's take a, let's take guys. So, uh, I would say bigger, leaner, stronger is, is perfect for the guy who has yet to gain his first, I would say 35 pounds of muscle, 30 to 35 pounds is probably um, or if we want to, if we want to really give a range, twenty-five to thirty-five. Or if we look at it another way, his first year and a half to two years of proper weightlifting. Um, I think that you really don't need, you don't, you just don't need more "quote unquote" advanced. You don't need the the "quote unquote" advanced training techniques that uh, the that are really the, for people who have put in um, the 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 work their first couple years of hard and heavy lifting and really just focused on an increasing whole body strength and who have let's say achieved anywhere from 70 to 80% of their genetic potential and and then yeah not only do you have to should you consider um maybe stuff uh like well you know now that i think about it when when i talk about advanced training techniques like drop sets and supersets um I guess those aren't even really necessary for continued progression. They, they they have their uses. They're you know they can save time, which is nice. Really, what it comes down to again is what I said earlier: you just have to work harder. But a good example of that is periodization. A lot of people want to <coughs> periodize their training. I think that's fine. Of course, we know that periodization is useful and it is effective, but. if you're a guy and you have not gained your first 30-ish pounds of muscle and you have not progressed at least like solidly to the I would say to right to the end of kind of like the beginner strength standards, maybe getting into the intermediate strength standards, you, you don't need to periodize your training. You just don't. And for women, let's take those numbers and let's let's probably have them, right? So for women, um, thinner, leaner, stronger is really meant for, for women who have yet to gain maybe their first 20 pounds of muscle, which having worked with many women is often actually, I would say a sweet spot for the majority majority of the women I've spoken to thousands now over the years is probably about 20 pounds of muscle gained 15 to 20 in the right places on their bodies and a body fat percentage around 20% give or take a little Um, is seems to be a bit of a sweet spot for at least the aesthetic that many women are going for that kind of athletic with muscle tone don't look jacked you don't look necessarily like a weightlifter you have curves um, and so that's really who the books are are for and who they're not for again are, the people who know the fundamentals, they understand energy balance, they understand macronutrient balance, they understand um, that food choices do matter when we're talking about nutrition, but not so much in the way of composition. They know how to make meal plans that work. Um, they understand that most supplements are garbage and do nothing, but there are a handful that that are worth considering. On the training side of things, um, they understand the basics of strength training. They understand uh, intensity, they understand frequency, they understand volume, and they understand how to how to put together a at least maybe a decent mesocycle of training. Um, and, uh, the basics of cardio, which are pretty simple. I don't really have to even go through them, but you know, I think I've, I think that that's kind of the picture. So if, if a person listening, if, if all of that is like, yep, check, 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 check. Then, um, I I mean, I'm I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna forbid you from (laughs) reading, reading one of my books, but, uh, you may not, you may find you may read the whole book and be like, "Oh, I did, I feel like I didn't learn that much." Um, so, yeah, those the, that, those are the people who the books are and are not for. And for the advanced, uh, well, I'd say intermediate people. Uh, again, I have Beyond Bigger Leaner Stronger. Currently, I have a first edition that's out, and I like it. It has good information, but you know, similar to this transition from the second to the third editions of the. The, the basic books. Um, I, I'm just ready to, to upgrade it. And I'm very happy with how it's coming together, um, I, you know, so much so that I get that feeling like I wish I didn't even release it. I wish I would have just waited. Of course, that's just, you know what I mean? But that's yeah. not, that's just, that's, that's just the nature of things. When you, especially with creative things, as you know, this as a writer, you look back at things that you wrote years ago and, and you hate them. Like that's a good sign, though. That means that you've progressed. If you if you read something you wrote a couple years ago and you're like, "Yeah, this is really good," that <laughs> means you probably haven't. That's a, that's actually a red flag because you probably haven't gotten much better. Yeah. Um, so so and then I need to follow up that book with uh, a, a a women's version because there are some now as I've gone through this, there are some things that really don't need to change, but then there are some things that that would change, and I feel like I have a better understanding of how I can address the intermediate female weightlifters needs, which are a bit different than the intermediate males. Um, so, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where the books are at currently.
1: I actually love that you, you mentioned the thoughts on periodization. Cause I think it, I'm big on nutritional periodization. Cause I think that's the way to avoid metabolic and hormonal adaptation when you're dieting really hard, but inside training, especially for general population or people who are just generally looking to people who aren't powerlifters, lifters. Um, I think it's actually important to just stick to the basics, find exercises that work for you and, and keep it kind of simple, like progressively overload your training over time. But I think trying to create a very detailed strategy for periodization inside your micro and mesocycles across the year is just, it just gets kind of overcomplicated for most people. And I don't think you need to go that far, especially for just hypertrophy.
0: Yeah. And if you mess it up, you actually will make worse progress than if you just stuck with something simpler. Um, I mean, I, I think of there was, I believe it was a meta analysis. It may have been, a, it may have been a, a review on periodization that the, the takeaway was, and this, is, this was with um, competitive weightlifters, is that over time, periodization is probably better than the non-periodized training, but we're talking about a difference of I want to say it was about 50 pounds on totals, on totals, not even individual exercises. And yes, that matters. I mean, 50 pounds matters, especially when you're a high-level competitive strength athlete. Being able to add 50 pounds to your total can can make a huge difference. But it, we're not going to take that and extrapolate that to the again everyday normal person who has who has a life to live and they have you know three to five hours a week to be in the gym and they have very um, attainable goals as far as their their physiques go and, and their performance goes. Uh, again, if we put some numbers to it, I'm talking about for guys gaining somewhere around probably what, 30 to 40 pounds of muscle and around 10% body fat is probably a sweet spot for most guys. Um, and when I say gaining 30 to 40, I mean, starting from just a normal, you're not, you're not necessarily underweight or over, you're just a normal dude. Um, you put 30 or 40 pounds of muscle on your body in the right places, you get your body fat percentage uh, to 10%. That's, that's a sweet spot for that's like the Hollywood, you know, uh, Hollywood Greek God physique, right? Um, and, and for, for women, if you're starting just at a normal body weight, again, it's probably around 15 to 20 pounds in the right places around in your body fat around 20%. And, um, so, so you take for those people. Do they need? To, does this research on pureization, which does suggest that it is more effective for for muscle and strength gain over the long term, in intermediate slash advanced competitive weightlifters, does that really matter? Um, no. Do you? It just. It just. It just doesn't.
1: Do you think that uh, I'm not uh, familiar with that exact study, but do you think that it was a matter of like? Did the study follow something like uh, a very specific plan as far as like uh, accumulation, intensification, realization, deload, repeat? And then the other group was maybe just the same rep range, sets, volume consistently over time, like no periodization? And if not, like, do you think there's any change of doing some kind of like conjugate style method or, or uh, a daily undulated periodization? Because I find in a lot of clients, like for an upper lower split, for example, having a, a, a generally lower rep heavier weight not going like into ones to threes but like maybe uh, fives and sevens and eights and and maybe tens and then having a day where you're hitting more eight to 15 reps maybe the potential 20 but doing a combination of that every week versus just eights constantly if that that makes sense like do you think it's a it, it would change the study result if they did something like that
0: uh, well, again, if I remember, it was it was either a, a meta meta analysis or it was a review. So they were looking at a lot of different studies, and I believe it was in an, in an issue of Mass actually. So I'll check it out when we get off the uh, when we get off here. I'll check it out and you know I'll, I'll email you it so you can see for yourself. Um, and but if I remember correctly, it was well designed, and of course they had a they had a large data set to 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 pull from. And, um, there are, there's a discussion of mechanisms as well. It wasn't just like a, Hey, uh, we seem to see something here, but we have no idea why. And, um, but, but I I think more to the point though is, um, there's one doing what you just said can make workouts more enjoyable just because it's simply, there's something, you're just not doing the same thing every workout every week. And again, for, for newer people, that doesn't matter as much because they're just pumped. I mean, they're going to the, I mean, you remember when you're new, you go to the gym and every week you're a little bit stronger Everything and works. You get, yeah, you get to see changes in your body every other week or maybe every three weeks, you know, you, you're looking at your pictures, you're like, wow, I'm really like things are happening and you're just super motivated. Um, and, but you go to like year four and let's say you've been doing a good job and you have very little left to gain period. Um, so you're going to bust your ass for the entire year to gain, I don't know, maybe a a couple pounds of muscle. Maybe if you do everything right. Uh, if you gain five pounds in year four, that's like, what? Um, so it's probably going to be closer to like three, uh, uh, three to five, let's say. And so, and if you don't enjoy your workouts. It's going to be hard to really push yourself to the intensity that you need. Um, and so there's something to be said for that element of it in and of itself. Cause again, if you look forward to your workouts and you enjoy them, you're going to, you're just going to do better. You're going to get better results. Uh, but as far as, um, uh, DUP or, or, uh, other, other methods of periodization, uh, it's, it's an area that I, I don't know that much about. Actually, funny. I just was emailing with, um, Zordos to, I want I was inviting him to come on my podcast to talk about DP cause he's like the guy to talk yeah. to about it. I mean, sure. I could have a basic under, I could have a basic discussion of it, but, um, I wanted to get him on just cause he could, he could really, he could really do a better job than, than I could without me, uh, taking a bit of time to really kind of bone up on it. Cause it's also been a little bit since I've, I've looked into any of the literature on it and. Um, and and even done it personally. But um I can save, you know, in, in this in this second edition of the of the Beyond bigger, leaner, stronger. Uh, how I uh, currently it is it is periodized like you're periodizing in in each workout. So you're doing some really heavy stuff, kind of like you know RPT style training, reverse pyramid style training, um, but more from the exercises. So you might start with some heavy squats and then move into some mid range on another exercise and some higher rep range on another exercise. Um, but I, I'm thinking that in and this is this is going to be reflected in my own training. So uh, a little bit pers- uh, selfish i guess in this regard but i like a linear periodization where you're starting with uh higher reps and so it's a higher volume in the beginning of the mesocycle and as you move through it uh you're reducing the volume and increasing the the intensity and then and then you're you're ending with prs and then deloading um and greg knuckles has written about that that definitely his views and um his programs have influenced me in that regard. So I give him some credit for sure. Uh, but I like the concept of, um, cause the higher volume we know is harder on your body. You, you are, it takes a, a bigger toll on your body if we're talking about, um, nervous system and just, just everything considered, even though the heavier weightlifting might hit your joints a little bit more and it might feel, uh, it's a bit counterintuitive or it feels like, oh, that that's the one that's really going to accumulate fatigue. Um, research shows that it's the volume actually that does that more so. So when you're fresh in the beginning of your cycle, you get in your volume and with really the goal of just gaining some muscle, hopefully. And then <clears throat> um, you, with working in, in a little bit higher rep ranges, uh, I'm thinking probably in the standard quote unquote hypertrophy from the old kind of way of looking at it, maybe uh, eight to 10, maybe, or sorry, 10 to 12, maybe some eights in there. And then, uh, okay, so hopefully after, after a little bit of that, you've gained some muscle. And of course we know now that, that your potential strength is higher, but you have to kind of calibrate that muscle, so to speak with some lower rep range training. You're not going to immediately translate that into higher 1RMs. If you jump from working in the, let's say it's 12, give or take a few reps, rep range for um, six weeks or so, or four to six weeks, and then you go into some heavier stuff right away, it's probably going to take you a couple of weeks to acclimate to that heavier weight and to, to express that additional potential for strength um so that's that's toward the end of the the mesocycle when now you've accumulated more fatigue so we're bringing the volume down the load up and hopefully pring at the end um i mean as an intermediate that wouldn't be every mesocycle to be fair actually it'd probably be once or twice a year actually but um going for going for at least an increase in uh, in one RM on the, on the major, on the major lifts, even if it's just calculated, not actual one RMs. Like, again, you might only really want to do that once or twice a year, but, um, that's how I'm thinking about it currently. And it makes sense to me theoretically. And I, I like how it plays out in, um, in actuality. So that's where I'm at right now.
1: Yeah. I actually, uh, I, I prefer that exact same linear progression, um, not only with myself, but with a lot of clients too. And, and to that, I, I actually also fairly often programmed that way for clients with a um a model of kind of every day is is the same but you're kind of uh you're undulating periodization throughout each session like you said we kind of start with some heavy compounds then we go to some lighter weight but still in that like seven to ten rep range and then we kind of finish with some like lactic metabolite work at yeah. the end um i yeah. actually really prefer that and i think going back to something you mentioned briefly before is like it's just fun like i get to lift heavy today and i get to get a pump like that's something to say like i couldn't do a full mesocycle of just low rep strength work because i would just get bored like i'm guilty <laughs> of loving like bodybuilding and like the burn and the pump and i think like that's something to say of like i'm going to go a little bit harder and try a little bit more if i have and that
0: matters yeah. especially especially where you're at with your body and your training mm-hmm. that matters you know when when if it's, uh, for example, let's say it's auto-regulated. So you're thinking with RPE and that there, you know, just your psychological state, like how enthused you are to do that exercise is, is going to impact that a little bit. Um, and, and that can mean the difference of, you know, progress or no progress, at least on that exercise. And, um, you know, for the, for the, for the big compounds, of course you can, you can just load them linearly and just force yourself, you know to, unless, unless you really know it's not a good idea to try to do that that day, but, um, you can kind of just bake in the, bake in the progression. But if you're working with, uh, uh any sort of, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get, uh, as many reps as I can, I'm going to try to leave one or two in the tank type of thing. And if I can hit, if I hit the top of my rep range, I get to add weight simply how much you enjoy it impacts that.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. I actually think that's very underrated too, just in general as, as a as a discussion inside training. But man, like as we kind of wrap up this podcast, is there anything else? I mean, we've covered quite a bit of topics. And, and obviously, uh, we keep recommending the book, but I can't, I'm going to keep recommending it because you cover so many, I think things that uh, people take for granted. And the fact that you're creating a book that is laying out the 20% that gives you the 80%. I think it's the best way to put it like that, I think is so important in the industry for so many people listening to this. So I'm excited that we were able to really kind of cover everything and go in depth with it. But is there anything you want to leave the people with as far as uh, the book goes?
0: Um, I, I, as as this is going to go live, I, we, we had just spoken off air, I guess it's going to probably be on the 17th. I should just mention, I mean, to be fair you'll probably mention this in the intro but i should just mention that uh, just to kind of celebrate the the release cuz i'm pretty it was a lot of work to get it to where it's at now not just the writing of it but there's you know it's all the logistic all the logistics but um, the the ebooks are on sale for 99 cents for this entire week uh, just because I just like doing that once or twice a year, and you know you make ironically that um, amazon cuts your your royalty to from seventy percent to thirty percent when you do that so i 'm not making much money on the on the sales uh, but but that 's okay I, I you know it 's more about just selling a lot of books, getting the information out there, generating a lot of word of mouth, and it just generates a lot of goodwill. people appreciate that that you 're getting um, you know these are these are thorough, uh, you know, best-selling books, truly. I mean, the men's book has sold a half a million copies. The women's book has sold about 300,000 now, uh, books for, for truly just for, for a dollar. And, and if you don't like it, you can just get that dollar back actually. Um, so, uh, yeah, if, if, if anyone listening has liked anything that I've said and really wants to check either of the books out, um, Amazon's the best place. Uh, they're also up, Uh, on we're talking about ebooks they're also up on barnes noble and itunes and google but amazon is where the majority of people buy books of any kind um so the books the, the names are bigger leaner stronger and thinner leaner stronger and um if anybody listening has any questions regarding the books or anything else um feel free to reach out to me you can find me on social media um I guess I'm probably most active on Instagram. Uh, that's muscle for life fitness and, or you can just send me an email, Mike at muscle for life.com, muscle for life.com. I get a lot of emails. Um, so you might have to wait seven or 10 days or so, but you will get a reply. And, uh, the, even though I'm merging most of life into Legion and the website is going away, I'm just going to keep my email address because too many people have it. It'd be a huge pain in the ass to try to change that. So that's
1: not going to (laughs) change. That was one of my questions, but, uh, man, no,
0: it's, it's going to stay. I was like, no way that that'd be a nightmare. (laughs) Uh,
1: I love it. Well, man, I'm going to put all those links in the show notes of this podcast guys. So you can grab the direct link to Amazon and all those places to check it out. I highly encourage everybody to do so. Mike. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.